Simpster, he putting it down. It's the profanity nation. We running the town here. Yeah. It's the profanity nation. Hey, welcome to the Profanity Nation podcast. As usual, we're joined here by Stat Pat, Money yeah. Mike, yo, 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 truly yo. Simsta. Do it. Do it. But today we're in a very special location with a very special guest. We have with us Jason of Beverly Hills. Jason. Thank you for joining us on the Profanity Nation podcast. How are you today? I'm great. Thanks for having me. I, I appreciate it. I'm excited. Ex- yes. Excellent. Yes. Great. It's going to uh, be fun. If you do not know, uh, Jason of Beverly Hills is an uh, exquisite jewelry designer, but specifically we're here today to discuss the fact that you've designed the 2009 2010 and now the 2020 Lakers championship rings and uh, they're just amazing of course and they go down in in history as some of the most beautiful rings and championship rings ever created and we're gonna go ahead and talk a little bit about that if you're okay I'm ready absolutely yeah man that 2020 yeah we're gonna talk about that one. right I mean <laughs> yeah you know just the things that's able to do the you know the screw off the top yeah and yeah. the mamba inside I mean just amazing yeah, we're gonna we're gonna get into it it's great <laughs> I gotta give me I'm looking at the replicas you know the, the CZ version. <laughs> yeah. I, I need a CZ, CZ version Let, let's start there let's start there does that kind of drive you crazy that the replica rings come out so quick or do you understand them? well the funny thing is is that everyone keeps calling me about these replica rings replica rings <laughs> The Lakers aren't even making replica rings. No, so no, what's no. happening is just like the day it, – it's so fucking crazy because <laughs> when I when we released the photos, and I told my whole staff this, when we released the first photos because we were the ones that released it, which is like literally the second you saw the ring on TV is when we were allowed to release okay. the edited pictures. Right, mm-hmm. right. I'm not joking. Within – Four minutes, <laughs> not not three minutes, not <laughs> six minutes, four minutes. There was websites up with my picture selling the ring for twenty nine ninety nine. Yeah, 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 yeah. With that picture, with right? It, like I, I feel like these these fabricators in China had literally their factories ready to go, right, and, just, and they said the second this picture comes out, we're just gonna plop that in the website. And we're gonna sell these things. Yeah, that's crazy. You they know, happen I, I, so fast. You know, I, and I have to say though, like you know, when I looked at that, I was like, that's too cheap. You know <laughs> Even I mean? for a replica. I, I, was, I was telling them, I was like, man, I need a replica for like 200 bucks or something. Man, <laughs> no. what's you know? so crazy, it's such a bait and switch. Right. Because I see they're, they're taking pictures of like the diamond and gold one. Right. Yeah. And then they're Under making. perfect lights. They're, and then they're going to make the brass ones you know with broken right. spit. <laughs> yeah. and, and think it's going to look the same. And whoever's going to buy that is going to get right. duped. Yeah. Right. I, I, I at least want the gold plated one. Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> that, what they're going to get for $20 is a piece of shit in a box. Right. And they're right. going right. to be like, right. what is this? I didn't but expect you, this at but all. But you know what's so funny about that? It's like they're expecting high quality. You're like, no, man, you <laughs> actually yeah. bought a ring. Yeah. Only, only that, because that fake diamond for 30 bucks. What you expecting to get? Exactly. I was like, please take my name off of any of those. I don't right. want anyone to get it confused with me making them. Because, look, that video was amazing. You know, the mechanism coming off. Uh, they do a great job. It was like your duplicate Yeah, thing. you know those guys, You know the guys overseas were looking at that being like, really? I got to make a, a replica ring of this? Yes. Right. Exactly. Yes. Yes. You're All making plastic. it more this difficult. Yeah. Raise the prices. Exactly. Right. Exactly. <laughs> now, now, how long does it normally take for you to design a championship ring? 
Well, it depends from team to team, right? So it really depends on the team how many chefs are in the kitchen, right? right. That's the, always right. the biggest thing because yeah. we could all sit here right now and design a ring, and all of you guys are going to want or not want certain things in the ring. Right. And the same thing goes for championship rings. So when you sit down with the team, uh, you try to make a ring that is going to communicate the identity of the team, tell the story of the season. Uh, you know, it's going to have my own uh, a flair to it and creativity to it. And you're going to try to make a ring that keeps everyone happy because that's like almost an impossible task, right? Mm-hmm. I can't keep my wife happy. How the fuck am I going to keep the Lakers happy? <laughs> right, right, the right. I've got to make sure everyone is happy. <laughs> so we do this. We, we, we start making this ring. And then, you know, you got you. I was dealing with the higher-ups of the Lakers, ownership. Right. And then ownership shows it to management. And then management shows it to the key players. And we all are sitting here, and we all know that everyone can love it. And if LeBron looked at the ring and was like, I need a purple ring, or I need a blue ring. It all changes. It's changing the entire ring. Mm -hmm. Went through the management and ownership and trickled down to the players to get final say from some of the key players. And I was blessed to, to... blessed to hear that the players actually love the ring so right. i didn't have to go back to the drawing board First so that helped nice. but that whole design process to answer your question sometimes it takes a week sometimes like when i did the warriors it took us two and a half months wow. to come up with wow. the design now this off season i didn't have two and a half months right. exactly to come up with a design i had a couple months yeah. at tops to do design and production right so this was unique in that we had such a shortened season so when we did it uh when i when we we're finally finished with the design i would say it took us about five weeks it took us to do it uh because we did make lots of changes you got to remember this ring had way more storyline than rings Mm -hmm. in the past you had the death of kobe you had them playing in the bubble Mm -hmm. you had the pandemic you had racial injustice you had you know it was lebron's first championship in la you know you had so many storylines you need to build in this ring which makes my job fun but a pain in the ass, too, because right, right, you got to right. incorporate Especially all this. Especially when you only have, what, six weeks to do you it. You only have six weeks to right. do it. Yeah. So did you find out that maybe under the gun, under those six weeks, you can still produce, obviously, the same, the, the high quality. I'm sure you're very happy with the ring. So the six weeks didn't pull, take anything away from it. Did you find that you were able to produce and, and happy with what you put out there? Well, listen, I think that our team uh, thrives under pressure. There you go. Um and uh, they, you know, they they kicked ass, and mm-hmm. they, and they stayed up late, and they we did we did lots of all nighters. Uh, we had sleeping bags on the floor inside the factory just wow. to get guys to like be able to do it because we really only essentially had about four weeks mm. to finish production, and like I had to battle the COVID thing too because oh, you wow. know we had a social distancing. If of one of our guys go down in the factory, then no, the whole right. factory gets mm-hmm. shut oh, down. Man. And I wasn't about to call ESPN or have the Lakers call ESPN and be like, "Hey, guess what, guys? That ring ceremony you're pro- uh, promoting—it's mm-hmm. not happening." Yeah. yeah. Well, they could just go on Facebook and yeah, call that, those well, those, those little like, ads that are on there for twenty nine ninety nine. They would have totally blamed the jeweler. Well, the jeweler didn't finish in time. So of course, of course, have you ever had such a high profile? item under such constraints time constraints that you had to get produced and put out there honestly this was the 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 biggest time constraint i've ever had for in my professional career uh, because of like i said because of the circumstances with covid uh, shortened season shortened off season like i we were it was literally a race against the clock it was endless nights of sleepless nights it was you know you know i was short with my wife and kids because i'm like what the fuck? I need to finish this ring right. in time. Right. Like you know, right. it was, it was tough. 
Pressure was on. Pressure was so on. So you basically started, like, the day when they were out there in the bubble, you already started doing designs of the ring? I'm not going to lie. I already started designing next year's ring. I'm not going to try to jinx it. But I, I got to love I gotta, it. I got to love it. I got to start thinking about it playoff yeah. time, right? So, like, right. I, I'll take – I'll take the three or four teams that have the ability to win. And I didn't even count Miami making it to the finals. I didn't even think they were. <laughs> You're like, oh, no. no. No offense to Miami. but like, They, they Miami didn't go, they didn't go with me in 2006, so it's okay. There you <laughs> go. <laughs> I love it. So so I didn't I didn't count them into – I didn't think they were going to be in the finals, which they ended up doing. They played amazingly. But, like, you know, I was looking at, you know – Boston, I was looking at Milwaukee, I was looking at the Lakers, and I was looking at the Clippers, and that was basically Clippers. like those, those are the four teams that I was like, okay, let me let me see who who who's going to win here, and then let me think about the stories behind each of one of those teams. Now, wow. to be frank, I was happy it was the Lakers, my of childhood course. team yeah. is the team, it's my home city, it's yeah. like the games I went to as a kid, so I was happy yeah. it was the Lakers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That that brings up a good question: How does a lifelong Laker fan? Grow up first of all. We'll get to that. How do, how you even become a jewelry designer? Uh-huh. But but how do you get to that epic moment where you're now designing the rings for the 2009 championship as a Laker, lifelong Laker fan, and you're going to have such an influential impact on history and 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 the NBA history. What what was that like, and and how did you get to that point? Well, it's true. I was a diehard Laker fan so much so that my mother had a had to punish me by not letting me watch Laker games wow. because she would get so upset. I was seven years old and I watched Magic Johnson playing, yeah. and like when the team lost, I literally cried like yeah. a baby. Like I, I literally was crying like it was like the end of the world. And so my parents knew how much of a Laker a Laker fan I was. Now fast forward, you know, twenty twenty years later, really is you know when from seven years old to I think I was twenty seven, twenty eight when I got the. The, the ring deal, and I was going to a lot of the games. I had some of the players on the team as my clients, and I was introduced to to uh, one of my clients actually introduced me to Jesse Buss, who's okay. the youngest son okay. of doc, the late Dr. Jerry Buss. And so him and I just started hanging out, like partying together, hanging yeah. out together, going <laughs> out. Yeah, we just had a good time. And in no way, shape, or form did I ever think I was I was eligible or even worthy of doing a Laker championship ring. Wow. I was too small at the time. My company was way too small. There was no way I could ha- – I didn't have the capacity for it. I had no ability to be able to do it. Wow. I had some ability, but not championship yeah. ring ability. Right? <laughs> right, it's a whole right. other game. Yeah. Right, yeah. right. So Lakers end up – I end up going on the road to every Laker road game that playoff 2009. So went to every West Coast game, first round against Phoenix, uh, was, uh, Utah the next series – I ended up in the finals, went to Orlando. Orlando. Uh, so I went, I traveled with the, t- with the team. I went over there and went over there. But as a fan, not because I was like, oh, I'm going to get the Laker ring deal. Right. No, mm-hmm. I was hanging out with my buddies. We yeah. go to the game, go out party. Zero agenda, after, but fun. Have a good time. Enjoy the wins. Man. Dr- uh, cry over the losses. But we had a good time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They end up winning the championship. Jesse Buss looks over to me and says, Jason, you want to do this championship ring? And in my he- head, I was like, holy shit, I can't believe you just asked me that. <laughs> like, there's no way. There's no way in hell. That's like asking Shaquille O'Neal to be the lead ballet art- ballet dancer <laughs> on a, in a play, right? right? You can't do that. Yeah. Uh, that's literally how I felt. I right. was like, oh, my God, this is this is crazy. I'm wow. not going to be able to do this. And, I, and what did I do? 
I uh, looked him dead in his eye, and I lied to his face, and I said, yes, absolutely, I can do it. <laughs> yep. Oh, yeah. yep. And it was the best bet I ever made on myself wow. and, and, my, and our team because it pushed me to be great. Mm-hmm. And so – Mama mentality right there. Exactly, mama mentality, right? So then we end up – I end up taking a meeting. Uh, two weeks later, I'm sitting there. He said, I'm, you need to meet, meet with my sister, Jeannie. We sit down. I sit down across the table from him. I'm like, holy shit. I'm in the <laughs> fucking Lakers office. I'm sitting across from Jeannie Bus. How cool is this? I was a fan. I went down. You see all the trophies, everything. We sit down. And she's like, okay, well, you know, tell me about your history, this and that. You know, I'm totally acting as if, right? Like, I like this is no big deal to me. But I was like, oh, my God. I'm shit. Right. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, yeah, I have the capacity. I already sell to a lot of the players on the team, blah, 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 blah. Uh, I had a factory of maybe – Three people, I think, at the time, three or four people, which couldn't handle the capacity of a Laker ring because it's, it's quite a few rings. Uh, and so we, they went back and forth, and then I finally got the call about three weeks later after about two or three meetings, and they were like, "Congratulations, you got the deal." I swear to God, I, I literally was crying like a baby. Oh, like wow. to get that—that that was a dream yes. come true. That's that was, like your championship, right? That's there. my championship, and mm-hmm. to. The, that one and the 2010 championship, and I'll explain why in a second, right. was the pinnacle of my professional career is getting that first that first Laker deal and them saying yes and me barely coming through by the skin of my teeth. Mm. Um, but like, And it was so well-received at the time because rings, if you, if you think back then in 2009, rings were actually much, much, much smaller than they mm-hmm. are now. Right. I actually was the first company to bring out the larger size ring, which now looks small. Right. Compared, yeah. And, yeah, compared, right? I wanted to have the ring with the most diamonds, the biggest ring. I, that, that was my goal back then in 2009. I did that, and then every other company started stepping up stepping up sure. uh, to the plate and doing bigger rings. So I kind of set trend. the trend with that. Mm-hmm. And, and getting that was a dream come true, and being part of opening night, ring night, and being on the floor and, wow. and doing that was a dream come true. And, I, you know, at the time I thought I was battling and in competition with three or four other companies. And then I, I hear about it a year later. They're like, you know, Dr. Buss just told us we have no choice. We have to go with you, right? Oh. I was wow. like, wow. oh, wow, I didn't know that. What an honor is that? Yeah. Like, so I was like, you know, I was thinking I was like one of five meetings, and I had a, a, a small shot in the dark in order to get this, get this done, get the deal closed. Mm-hmm. And I end up getting it because Dr. Buss told him, like, I want Jason to have it. And it's like, you know, it was also – as a result of the time that I would spend in Dr. Buss's uh, library with him, and he would sit and talk to me about how did you start and tell me about your business, and he would give me pointers on business, and this guy threw me the best lob of life and said, here, why don't you make our championship rings? And he had the faith in me, and the family had the faith in me to be able to do it. And I, like I said, I barely was able to come through, but we were able to come through, but it prepared us for today and what right. we've been able to do. Yeah. What better than a homegrown Lakers fan? Man, it was it was the I, I'm homegrown. Uh, I'm a I'm a diehard Lakers fan. I'm a diehard basketball fan, and for me to get that was amazing. And then like following it up in 2010, like I said, I I also traveled with the team. I I went to Boston every single game in Boston. I was there. We Intense. didn't win any of them in Boston. Oh man. Um, came back to L.A. Game seven. I'm sitting um, alongside Doctor Bus and and. And his kids, and we're sitting in the suite because he had he has the owner suite. Lakers win the game seven. Suite. Lakers versus Celtics, fucking amazing uh, mm-hmm. right. game, right? We win close game. Everyone starts throwing champagne in the suite. They tell Doctor Bus, they're like, "Okay, you you can bring six people down to the floor, like wow. on the floor <laughs> with the players." 
And Dr. Book looks, looks around and is like, picks his kids, obviously, and then he goes, Jason, you can come too. I'm like, holy shit, did he just fucking say my name? <laughs> this is How cool is this? So I had the opportunity to go down on the floor and lift the trophy with wow. the players, oh. champagne thrown over. Like, with literally, oh, wow. I went through the same experience without playing. <laughs> with the same oh, experience. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> with my goggles, I need my goggles. Um. Man, it was, it was, that was, to me, a dream come true. So, and, like, they, and they beat the Celtics. And they beat the Celtics. I know, yeah. man. Wow. Right? Wow. So, like, that, those are Celtics. The Lakers were playing Celtics and you know, in, in the 80s, and that's when I first started watching basketball. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Showtime. Yeah, Showtime. Yeah. Absolutely. Man. I mean, to, to be part of the family now, you know, it, like you are like one of them, like a cousin almost. You know, that just has to ultimately feel amazing, right? Yeah, no, I mean, it's a, they, they're they're an amazing family, and they treat me like family. And they, like I said, without them, I wouldn't be where, where I am today. And being able to sit here and do the Laker ring and then breaking new world records on this year's ring. And, you know, it's, it's literally is a dream come true. Thanks for watching the Profanity Nation podcast interview with Jason of Beverly Hills. There's lots more. We just have to pay a bill really quick. Stick around. We'll be right back. Hey, guys, you got to check out the Pure Life Alternative Wellness Center. It's a family-owned and operated pre-ICO, Prop D compliant, and recreational collective serving Chatsworth, the San Fernando Valley, and the surrounding Los Angeles areas. They offer discounts for all our veterans and seniors 55 plus, as well as first-time patient and referral discounts. You can order online at purelifesfv.org. That's purelifesfv.org. Hey, thanks for sticking around. Now back to the interview with Jason of Beverly Hills and the Profanity Nation podcast. Yeah, so like I was going to ask you, so it seems like we both grew up, you know, during the Showtime era and, um, you know, would come to favorite players. Mine was Magic Johnson, but that's when I was initially, when I first started, it was Magic. But then I started looking at just the ins and outs of just the game and who brings, you know, not the un, pretty much the unsung heroes. And my favorite player then started to be, you know, Michael Cooper. I just loved his tenacity on defense and him able to go in. And the way he used to check Larry Bird is why I always thought that, man, he's the only one that can stop this cat. Like, Larry Bird was scoring everybody. I mean, when Dennis Coop got on him, and it would be like, nope, no, you know, basically shut him down. Or not, I mean, 30 points is really shut down. Slow him down. <laughs> <laughs> you know, no one really he would shut, slow him down. No, slow, yeah, him slow him down. down. <laughs> no one shut down uh, Larry Bird. But I would like to ask you, like, oh, I mean, could be Magic Johnson, but who was your favorite player uh, when it comes to like? So, the pl- not to be redundant here, but, like, the, pers- the player that really made me fall in love with basketball was Magic Johnson. Yeah. And it's because, man, he's a 6'9 point guard running down the floor, but, like, has there been a player since him that makes passing as sexy as the way he did it? Like, right. who no. no look passes like him? Like, you might call Jason Williams white chocolate, maybe. He did some stuff, but still, nah. nobody did this. <laughs> nobody right. did any of that. No right. one did that. No, And no one still doesn't do it. And, and t- for me, listen, he didn't jump the highest. He wasn't the quickest. But, like, to watch the way he played the game and how he played the game the right way and how infectious his – his enthusiasm was. I think that was like the biggest thing. Like when yeah. you watch somebody play and they really enjoy what they're doing, mm-hmm. it makes you enjoy watching them right. because you're excited to watch them play. You see mm-hmm. how enthusiastic they are. Like when I'm selling a piece of jewelry and the customer across the table can see how enthusiastic and how passionate I am about what I'm selling or designing, mm-hmm. they're going to be passionate too. And that's what exactly. Magic Johnson did for me. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm going to copy you again. I hate, hate, I hate to say it, <laughs> but like – 
I went to a Laker game. My first Laker game was Lake, uh, Lakers versus the Charlotte Hornets. They were an expansion team that year. And, and, the, and I remember going to the game. It was the first game I was. I was nosebleed seats. Game started at 7.30 at the Fabulous Forum. And I got there at 4.30 because I, I wanted to be early. I was like that. And I would wait in the parking lot for the players to park because I knew where they parked. And I would get people's uh, autographs. And, and True fan. True fan, right? And I would watch the players come by, come by, and two or three players walk by me, didn't even, didn't even sign nothing. I, I never forget Kareem Abdul-Jabbar just totally shined me. Like, you know he did. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I know. You weren't the only one. He didn't even look my way. You weren't the only one. No, yes. Yeah, he, he didn't get nice until about 2000. No. Yeah, so I, remember, I remember thinking to myself, fuck Kareem. That, he yeah, that off. yeah. So, That's a lot of people feel about yeah, me yeah. At, back then. But I tell you who, who did spend a lot of time sitting down talking to me, Michael Cooper. Mm. See. Right, so yeah. even though I wouldn't say his game is what made like I didn't, I, I, I he was a great player, great defensive player, the, the Koopa Loop, the alley oop dunks, mm. right? But it was him as a person that kind of as a fan, right? Like you, when someone connects with you personally mm-hmm. as a fan, you're always going to like. And I tell players, I have NBA players coming in here every day, mm-hmm. and I've and when they come in here, that's one of the things I tell some of the young guys. I was like, just know that one fan that you don't sign that autograph for or that one fan that you don't look them in the eyes and smile, he's right. going to hate you for life. Right. Just he's remember that. Remember that he's going to hate you for life because yeah. I did. And I did. you'll definitely remember it. He'll quick, remember it. I have a quick story. A uh, alumni game at UCLA, North Carolina uh, versus Duke, I believe. Jordan's playing, and uh, they let some kids go back and to get autographs. And I'm there, and there's maybe 30 kids around him, bunched up, and I'm right in the front, and he takes my paper, takes my pen, signs it, and hands it to someone else, and then moves on. <laughs> so uh, at least he at least he was taking the time, but that went my Jordan. That was my closest thing oh, to Jordan. God. So, but you, like you said, you remember those moments as a kid. They're they're instrumental. Absolutely, man. I remember like I remember when the when the player was nice to me. I all I, I instantly became their biggest fan because yeah. I was like, man, I feel like oh, that's my buddy Michael Cooper. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Uh, he you know, knows me. Like, I know him. Yeah, exactly. That's my buddy. <laughs> no, he wasn't my buddy, but he was just nice to me. That one interaction, but that carried so much weight for me. Moving forward in my in my career is like you know I think about Michael Cooper and how nice he was mm-hmm. and yeah. so like you know those little interactions mean so much yeah they do yeah because you know I didn't have that my story is uh, I met Byron Scott one time at the Fox Hills Mall and you know it was cool I interacted with him talked to him and then he actually played at a, a park that I played basketball at and Byron Scott said hey Byron Scott it's Michael do you remember me he said no <laughs> and, and it, but you know broke my heart I'm 12 years old and. He didn't remember me, and I'm like, dude, you could have said yes, you know, just to. <laughs> just lie to my face. Yeah, lie to my face, make yeah. me feel good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> ah, it's important. I, I, literally, what I tell the guys all the time, I'm like, man, just smile every single time because right. it's, it's that one person that right. you're going to, maybe you had a bad day or whatever it is, or, you know, you just got caught cheating on your girlfriend or you're hungover <laughs> or whatever the case may yeah. be. Just know that that person on the other end, just smile and do and, and do what 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 you should be doing, and this person will love you for life. Exactly. Sometimes just look at him, like you said. Just look at him, exactly. like you said. So, so what's your favorite era, the Showtime era or the Kobe uh, Shaq era? Well, you know that's a hard question, and like I'm gonna 
I'm going to tell you now that I'm trying to refrain from acting like the old guy that always like, man, back in the day right. when my players played, like, because my, my father yeah. would say that, and I'm, yeah. I'm catching myself saying that to my kids. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, these players are pussies. They don't have like, no handshake. That's not a foul. Well, right. the, the bad you boy know. pistols would have crushed right. this. Yeah, kid. yeah, you know what I'm saying. Like, what, what would? It, but you so know, they like, got clothesline. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. They, and that exactly. was they didn't even get kids. So out. I'm totally finding myself doing that. But like, I, I think that we've gone through some great eras, and and I and I don't think that this era is any different. Even though a lot of people say the game's watered down, it's a bunch of threes, this and that. But you know what? This era just era just has its own identity, just like. The mm -hmm. 80s had their identity, exactly. and identities yeah. change from generation mm -hmm. to generation. This, too, shall change also. Mm -hmm. So, like, you got to appreciate every era for itself. And, like, I would say the worst era was the era after Michael Jordan left, and the NBA was looking for, like, somebody to Anybody. take over the, the, the mantle. And there was, like, there was like Tracy McGrady, Vince Carter, but they're not Michael Jordan. Mm -hmm. And then, you st then uh, of course, LeBron – I mean, um, Kobe, uh, you know, ascended to a, a level – and then LeBron, obviously, and we're still, you know, in the, in the LeBron, LeBron era, era towards the end, but we're still there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, you're not a LeBron fan? No, I, you know, I'm not a LeBron We're fan. not going to hijack you know, this Let's put it this right way. Here. I'm a Laker <laughs> fan. Okay. I'll leave it at that. Okay. Uh, oh, my I'll man. Leave, I'll leave it at that. My <laughs> man. I'm a, Lake, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a Laker fan, um, and the Lakers, I mean, listen, LeBron is a tremendous player, and LeBron brought us a championship, and that's the most important Absolutely. Thing. And listen, LeBron, you know, especially early in his career, purchased mm -hmm. from me, and all his guys are great. But, like, when you think of Lakers, right? I feel like, you know, it's Kobe, uh, it's Magic, it's because of their tenure. They had yeah. long, right. long tenures. Mm -hmm. that, that's very much what Money Mike yeah. has mentioned yeah, 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 before yeah. as They're, well. That, that's like a true Lakers-Laker, right? right? Like, mm -hmm. you, you think of... John Stockton, you think of Utah Jazz, right. you know, you, you, you think of these guys that just spent their entire career with one team, and I think that means something, not to diminish anything LeBron's done, but because obviously he's an amazing player, yeah. he's Mount Rushmore of the NBA, but, mm -hmm. but you know, it, it's as a Laker fan, yeah. there's a special place in my heart for those guys that kind yes. of were like the ultimate lifelong Lakers. Yeah, I, I, look, I agree. Uh, a couple of episodes ago, we had that biggest argument. <laughs> and we were like, well, how long does – the question was, how long does LeBron have to be on the team to be called a Laker? Because, you know, he's, he's gone from team to team to team. I mean, let, let, well, let, let's, let's play devil's advocate here. We, you know, Shaquille O'Neal did the same thing. But, but, but he, he, no, nah, he did. Think he's about a Laker. He, he, start, he started in Orlando. Right. He left he gave or us almost ten years though as a Laker. So one of his one of money's though was that the first ring was for LA. The fact that True. LeBron's True. first okay. ring was not LA that means that I agree with I agree with you in that respect. And Shaq's first ring was with LA. Yeah, right. and Shaq did spend a considerable amount of his all his glory years. By the time he went to Miami, he was a shell of his former self. Right. Even yeah. though he won a championship in Miami, but sure. he wasn't at the level of Shaq that we're right. accustomed right. to in no. LA. Right. So I think that. I think that I still put Shaq um, in the category of, of great Laker, and, and I, I would consider him a Laker. Yeah. I still would consider him a Laker. To answer your question, though, my favorite era was, was, was the, Lake, the, the Shaq-Kobe era. Mm -hmm. I enjoyed that. Yeah. The, and I, obviously, I enjoyed, the, I enjoyed the Lakers-Celtics, although I was really, really, really young then. Mm -hmm. but, I do, but I remember it. Like, yeah, I remember right. Magic remember, versus yeah. Bird. Because you remember versus our Bird. parents versus, and the like, feeling. You're, if you're in L.A., you remember it because it was a vibe. It, it, was, it mm -hmm. was definitely a vibe. And then... And to be honest with you, the era of basketball I really enjoyed, even though it's completely different, was the Golden State Warriors era, where yeah. like where, where you know you had you had the the 
quick passes and the threes. The they played, it was just a beautiful game. To, their games were beautiful to watch, mm-hmm. right. even though they shot a ton of fucking three pointers. Yeah, it still was fun to watch. They moved the ball so well. Yeah. So that, that I think the bad area was like no disrespect to Houston Rockets, but when they were winning the championships, <laughs> and it was like. We were it's just like there was no fun team like they, they, they Houston Rockets against the Patrick Ewing New York Knicks that was a shitty fucking <laughs> NBA Finals was yeah, it not it was, like it was a boring yeah. Finals like nobody watched that right and then and then you follow that up with Houston versus Orlando and you're like I mean you had Penny and Shaq but yeah, then you're like but, but you want Penny and Shaq to win that yeah you know yeah, you don't exactly. want Elijah on to win and it's exactly. like okay damn you and then back Elijah wanted to just kill Shaq yeah <laughs> of course so <laughs> yeah. it was like uh, Shaq ain't never seen those moves before. and then it's like you know when he, they went against the Knicks I mean they didn't have any like I mean Patrick Ewing obviously a great player but that was like John Starks and and Chris Childs and them uh, and Charles yeah. Oakley. I don't know. They Mason. they don't have that star power. No, I didn't have no. He yeah. didn't have that attraction. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so so last season, of course, as we know, was the NBA bubble, and the whole season was in question. As fans, we thought the NBA did a great job. What was your thoughts on how the NBA conducted themselves within that bubble and how they got through that? Well, I'm going to look at it from two standpoints, right? So I, I, I know I know because I talk to the players, so I hear their standpoint, and then I'm telling you from a fan standpoint. From a yeah. fan standpoint, I was, at first I'm like, this is stupid. I'm not going to be able to watch this. I'm going to watch it because I love the NBA, but I'm right. like, this is going to be dumb. It's like a, it's yeah. going to be very anticlimactic. You're not going to have a crowd. The players are not going to feed off of the crowd. It's going to be it, – I'm not going to like it. Mm-hmm. Then there was a part of me that was like, you know what? Maybe it could be cool because you're going to be able to hear everything the players are saying and blah, blah, yeah. blah. And it was neither of those when we right. finally start, uh, started watching, right? You had, you had, they put the artificial crowd the noise. in crowd noise. Right, yeah. so, you, okay. so you still can't hear the players cursing yeah. or talking shit. Which I hate. Which I, I kind of was looking forward to. I was like, I would love to hear the right. banter yeah. back and forth between the players. Like, you can't guard me, you, you, yeah. this and that. That would have been fun to watch or fun to hear. But, like, I thought it was a lot better than what I expected. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was good, um, particularly in the playoffs. I think the NBA did a good job of controlling the situation, controlling the environment as best as they could. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're obviously very, very strict. I mean, Jesus, the players stay at the Beverly Wilshire Hotel behind me, and they won't even let them leave the building unless yeah. they're going to. Like, it's almost the same as a bubble. Because yeah. um, mm-hmm. a lot of times they would walk across the street and come to my private showroom. They're like, Jason, I can't even come there. I'm not allowed to leave the not building. Allowed. Mm-hmm. So, you know, from a player standpoint, I can understand how difficult it is for mm-hmm. them because they've got to feel sometimes like they're in jail because they can't even they can't even move around. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's tough. It's like, you know, I'm, I'm a millionaire. <laughs> yeah, I'm used to getting and buying anything I want, I, but I, like, can't what? I can't buy even... my way out of a hotel room. You know, <laughs> no, nah, can't do it. They're stuck in there. So, um, of course – Jewelry design. Let, let's get a little bit into that. Your 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 Laker love, but how did you get into jewelry design? How did you start uh, designing jewelry? So I was at UCLA and I was studying to be a, a an attorney, and I was twenty eight thousand dollars in debt because I love to go out and party and mm-hmm. okay. spend all my money on on clothes and liquor and Lakers mm-hmm. Lakers gear and Lakers gear. <laughs> and uh, so so at the time uh, I had to figure out a way to make some money, and I wasn't the type that was going to work at Baskin Robbins scooping ice cream. So I started a business selling plastic hair clips and silver trinkets to girls on campus I would buy from the wholesale district in downtown. Made a deal with the school. I'd give them 20% back. They let me set up a six-foot table for just a single week. Wow. And that week, I was making $600 a day, and I was like, holy shit, I'm making some good money. So ah. I begged the school to, to, to encourage my entrepreneurial spirit and allow me to continue, which they did. By the time I was a college senior and I was getting ready to go to law school, I was had six, six college campuses going at the same time, and I was making... <sighs> 
as a college student, maybe one hundred fifty to two hundred thousand dollars a year back wow. then. Yeah. So you imagine that, like yep. you're making that kind That's of money. A, is, yeah. I'm living in an apartment that was costing me. I was splitting with my roommates. So I was costing me like four hundred fifty dollars <laughs> a month. Yeah. My my rent and uh, my portion of the rent, and I was making all this money. So what did I do with the money? What any responsible college student would do? Party. I went out and partied and got drunk and, and went <laughs> and went out every single night. But in doing that, even though my parents thought I was an idiot and I was stupid, I was blowing all my money. I was setting myself up for success. And how right. so? During the time that I was spending, I was uh, spending going out every single night and hanging out and rubbing shoulders with NBA players, celebrities, networking, high net worth individuals. And I noticed I'm starting to become friends with some of these guys. And some of these guys I became real cool with. Some of these guys were saying to myself, hey, this guy is at our levels, so to speak. Look, he's sitting and having tables at the club and he's drinking champagne just like us. So he must be somebody. I was really nobody. I was just blowing all my money. Right. But what it allowed me is all the relationship and networks. So I said to myself, you know what? I got to figure out a way to capitalize and monetize these relationships I have without just sitting back because there's a ceiling to how much I'm going to be able to do with what my current situation is. So I start, and I was always artistic. So I would see these guys and they wear these big chains, and I was like, it would have their number on it or their logo on it. I was like, I can draw that. I can do that. So I had no idea about the jewelry business. I would go home and draw designs for certain people that I would see. And I literally would go up to people and be like, check this drawing I did for you. And most people, they just brushed me off or laughed or this and that. And then finally, after the third time asking him, one NBA player said, you know what? We're playing the Lakers tomorrow, but before, before I take my nap, before the game, I want you to come by the Ritz-Carlton and Marina Del Rey. I want you to bring all your designs. And I want to I buy a diamond bracelet and bring me some custom designs. So I said, sounds good. I'll be there tomorrow. I raced home, pretty drunk. Got home, started drawing designs for bracelets, and then I went on the internet and started downloading pictures of other jewelers and making a makeshift catalog. And I went wow. there the next day, and the player's name was Anthony Mason. Played for the Knicks, or he played for the Milwaukee Bucks at, at the time. time. And I showed him, and he said, "I like that bracelet. How much is it?" I had no clue. I didn't know how much it was supposed to cost. I didn't know anything about jewelry, <laughs> but I acted like I did, just like I did with the Lakers. Yeah. <laughs> and I said, "It's worked for you." I said, 40000 He said, "Sounds good." I said, "Cool. I need thirty to start." <laughs> So he said, okay, no problem. He wrote me a check. And then my next mission was, how am I going to make this thing? So I went downtown to the jewelry district. I started asking around. I started talking to people. I started asking people, how do you do this and how do you do that? And I found a manufacturer that was willing to make it for me. I said, how much is this going to cost me? He said, it's going to cost you about 30000 I said, well, thank God. I got 30000 right here. I gave him $30,000. They made it for me. I made my quick $10,000, brought it back to him. He started introducing me to players, and the rest is history. Nice. That is awesome. That's amazing. That's an amazing story. And entrepreneurship and you know i see that i see mama mentality in that too because you just figured out a way figured out a way and i don't take no for an answer yeah you don't take no for an answer look it's beautiful yeah everything you've accomplished is beautiful now you've worked with not just uh sports stars but celebrities yeah Uh, a lot of celebrities we have six stores right i have six stores right now um you have stores here in the u.s we have stores overseas um and I'm I'm blessed beyond belief, so I'm happy. You're in a good spot. I am. You're in a great spot. Um, so, so the Warriors championships mm-hmm. when when they when they reached out to you, did you were you happy? I mean, I know you were happy to be able to get the contract, but I know that feeling was different to make a Warriors championship ring versus the Lakers championship. It was definitely different, but I also started to get some self doubt, right? So I started saying to myself because I, I I swung and struck out on a few teams. Okay. Uh, and I was like, man, am I only am I only good enough to do just the Lakers because I'm in L.A.? So I like, you know, you start battling with that. So right. when I got the Warriors 
uh, contract is also because I had eight players on the team as my clients. Okay. <laughs> uh, when I got that contract, it was a sigh of relief, and it was it was also huge, but for a different reason. It was I was able to prove that I can do another team, not just the Lakers, but I can do another team. You could win without it, Shaq. And, 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 I could win without Shaq. Exactly. <laughs> so that was my that was my Kobe Bryant, uh, Pau Gasol years. There you go. And uh, and so I was able to I was able to be successful in doing that, and I was and I was. That was an awesome feeling as well. And, and then, you know, I got to know the ownership the same way I got to know the Lakers ownership. And I got cool with them as well, the Laker family. Like, I got real cool with them and all, all the players on the team. I got cool with them. And, you know, they welcomed me as part of the family. I got to go to do, you know, the practice facility and watch the team's practice and stuff like that. So it was definitely fun. And then, you know, during those dog years, like the Lakers' six-year playoff drought, we had some dog years. Mm-hmm. Like, I had a I, – I had to have a team I was rooting for, and I, I, I got to the point where I was like, hey, I, was, I couldn't believe I was rooting for any other team other than Lakers. But when you become friends with the owners and you get cool with the like Steve Kerr is like the nicest guy you ever want to meet, yeah. you, you start finding yourself rooting for your friends, and that's yeah. what I did. Well, it's also because the Lakers were, you know. <laughs> the Lakers well, you know, were down. <laughs> so on there, that was a, the, those rings were the first rings that were able to have the school up top. Yep. How did you even come up with that concept? So when we did the Warrior ring, it, we, there was some dissension in the ranks in that like some players wanted the blue top and some players wanted the white top. So it's like, what what are we gonna do? Like, how are you gonna pick one player over another? And it it wasn't these two players, but like you know, if Steph wants one and KD wants one, like who who are you gonna pick? You can't pick right. between those two. It's like Shaq and Kobe, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. You can't pick. You gotta. So I, I I was basically forced into action and making sure everyone was happy. So I said, let's devise a way that we can make both people happy and have a removable top where you could switch the color of the face of the ring, and that's what led to that. And and then with the Lakers, I, I knew that we had to come up with something different because we had already done something that was cool. And it's like I find myself under so much pressure now that in the event the Lakers win, I'm like, holy shit, what am I going to do to top that? Yeah. i got to come up with something. But – with this one, it was different. Instead of removing the top and changing the color, this one removes the top and displays all of the retired players because I wanted something that spoke to the legacy of the franchise. The Lakers have a legacy that's only matched by the Boston Celtics, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I wanted to speak to that, and then I wanted to speak to Kobe Bryant and, and what he meant to the franchise without, without the ring being a Kobe Bryant ring. Mm-hmm. We wanted to make sure that we had elements to commemorate you know, the late, great Kobe Bryant. Respect. So I was going to ask you, um, speaking of Kobe Bryant, um, you know, today is the, you know, the anniversary of his death. And um, and just, you know, for our fans, do you have any um, – I know you were there in the booth. You know, you went down and held the trophy when they won against the Celtics. Um, but do you have any, like, stories, uh, you know, about uh, Kobe Bryant, you know, just, you know, uh, that, you know, before maybe just – just you know, not designing jewelry for him, but just you know, in the facility. Out of all the players, I had I had the luxury of doing doing rings and and doing jewelry for a lot of the players on the team, and one of the players I never had the opportunity to do it was for Kobe Bryant, which pisses me off because I had the opportunity once and I had to choose. I had one of my Saudi royal family clients, and then I had Vanessa who needed me to drive to to Newport Beach that day. And I and I had to pick the client that was here in front of me, wow. and I wasn't able to do it. So I missed that. I missed that. And now I was like, oh, I always regret why. I wish I could have made both. Mm-hmm. But my only interaction with Kobe was in Orlando NBA Finals, 
and I w and they had a team dinner, and they were allowed me to be in the ballroom for the team dinner. And there was one last piece of 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 food in uh, it was like broccoli, it was like vegetables in the in the thing. And I was about to reach for it, and he went right in front of me and took it and put it on his plate. And I looked at him, I was like, holy shit, I, Kobe Bryant just took the last piece of vegetables I wanted over there. But I couldn't say anything. And then he just looked at me and winked and walked away. And so that, that, that sums up my, my entire hey, uh, experience with Kobe Bryant. That's an awesome story. Hopefully though. that was a good story. That was an awesome story. It, it, for, yeah. it is. It's short but sweet. Short yeah. but sweet. What, what goes in? You mentioned uh, when you were, I guess, presenting to the Golden State Warriors, the ring. What, what goes into a presentation? Are you actually showing designs? And I'm curious, does the team actually give you a budget to work within for each ring? How does something like that work? Every team operates differently. And, and so the major, like, there's some teams that want to go through budget. They don't even care about the design. They're just like, give me the budget. Let's go over the numbers. Once we agree on the numbers and we give you the contract, we'll start working on designs because we know you're capable. And there's other teams that will base it solely on design, and they want you to come into the first meeting with 10 potential designs, and then, and then as long as your math, you, the, the financial is within the same ballpark as your competitors, they'll go with you. So every team is different. The, the Warriors did it very differently, differently than the Lakers. Uh, the Lakers, uh, you know, they, they, they had a completely different way of doing it. And so it really depends on the team. Some teams, when you go into the pitch, they want to have lots of song and dance. They want to have videos. They want to have presentation. Yeah. Some of them want something more intimate. And they just say, "Let's meet at a coffee." I mean, my first meeting with the Warriors was, in, you know, I met at a, at a bar at Aria at, in Las Vegas because it was summer league, and I had to meet with the assistant GM and Joe Lacob's son, the owner's son, Kirk, to go over like who we are and what we're about. And then, you know, and then when I met with the Lakers, it was, it was in a grand ballroom with Jeannie Buss and all, all the executives. So every single time, it's, it's something different. Hey, we've just got to pay a bill really quick. We'll be right back with Jason of Beverly Hills and the Profanity Nation podcast. So you think your sneakers look good, huh? Check this out. <laughs> Even the most exclusive sneakers once purchased look identical to everybody else's sneakers. Can I get a holla holla? So how do you take your boring regular sneakers and convert them to unique dynamic sneakers that will stand out? Yo, that answer is easy. You need to get laced with Get Laced Shoelaces. Yes, Visit GetLacedLaces.com or check us out on Instagram at GetLaced.Underscore. Hey, thanks for sticking around. Now we're back to Jason of Beverly Hills and the Profanity Nation podcast. Well, you know, I have a fun question. You know, Money Mike always has a crazy, crazy question. <laughs> You're probably not going to retire, well, at least in the 20 years or so, you think? Yeah, at least okay. I love working. So. so here's my question. What do you think is going to happen first, your retirement or the Clippers getting the ring? <laughs> ah, stump. How much Clipper viewership do you have on this? <laughs> we're a Lakers show. We're a Lakers show. That's what he's. I'm not cutting myself out of the Clippers. You're crazy. Yeah, no, you know no what? No, don't you, answer you, that. You, no, you, no, that's no, a great question. You complete the fifth. It's okay. Yeah, I, I gotta man, ask. I'm trying to run away. I'm not running away from any questions here. I'm not running away from any questions. Um. I, I think I'll retire first. <laughs> love it. I love it. I think I'll retire first. I love that. Awesome. Good answer. Good answer. I think I'll retire first. <laughs> you hear that? Look, look. You hear that, Clipper Dale? <laughs> <laughs> He's a fan of our show. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, a dude. Of our show. We, we love him. You know, uh, you know, Profane Nation, that's what we're about. We uh -huh. appreciate any fan of any team, as long as you're passionate about this. I, I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. definitely passionate. Yeah, definitely. 
I love that answer. <laughs> so, so when you're designing the rings, what's the process? You first are, are drawing so when sketches. We de- when we design the ring, the first thing before we do sketches, before we do anything, is I get up on our, our board here and I start jotting down all of the important elements or the storylines that we want to incorporate in the ring. Uh, elements such as uh, this year we had tons, right? But some years you have you you're like holy shit! I'm searching for like some storyline. Some some mm-hmm. years there just isn't a storyline. Right. Uh, you know the 2018 Warriors, we had a hard time finding a storyline. Right. You know it was it wasn't KD's first championship. They're coming off a back to back. It wasn't some significant thing yeah. going on in the world that would supersede the story of the season. There was Everyone no knew. death. There was no dramatic win. It was a given they were going to come. Yeah, (laughs) so it was like, holy shit, it's like pulling teeth. We had to try to find. And then some years you have lots of storylines like this year, which was a polar opposite. And both encompass a a certain level of difficulty because if you have a lot, you have a lot lot of story to tell in such a small amount of real estate on the ring. You you don't have Mm -hmm. enough, and you're searching for design ideas. So what we do is we put on the board everything, which includes regular season record, playoff record, who do they verse in each individual playoff series. Um, You know, was there a slogan? You know, some uh, the Warriors had strength in numbers. uh, uh, You know, uh, the Lakers had legacy. Legacy. Mm -hmm. Shit, I I almost looked bad. Thank you for saying. (laughs) Uh, You know, but every every single year the the team has some slogan. Whether it be something the coach wrote on the board on game one or something that the media put forth or something. Uh, so we put all these things. And then we hope we have, you know, how many regular season wins? How many play? Oh, obviously 16 playoff wins. But, you know, how, how many championships does the, the organization have overall? What stadium do they play in? What is the, the, the identity of the city? Uh, whether like Oakland or Los Angeles, like how are we going to incorporate that into the ring? Because you want the ring to not only tell the story of the season and the team, but you need it to tell the story of the city it represents. And so something for the fans to appreciate. Because I think that with this particular Laker ring, because it had Kobe, I had a, more so than any other year, the amount of fan appreciation was tremendous. Whether they have a ring or not, they appreciated all the tributes that we did in the ring because – you might not be a LeBron fan, but you might be a Kobe fan. If right. you might not be a Kobe fan, you'd be a Magic fan. Well, guess what? Shaq FaceTimed me the day we get the rings, and he's like, when are you sending me a ring? I yeah. Like, okay. What's up? He's like, my, my number's inside that ring. You need to send yeah. me a ring. So, That's fair. That's so, fair. That happens. Sounds like Shaq. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, besides maybe, I'm assuming, maybe when you were down on the court getting and holding up the trophy, uh, what's your favorite Lakers moment as a fan? Oof, that's a tough one because it's hard to beat that 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 game seven experience. Yeah. Mm. Uh, my favorite moment was, uh, I would say, the championship I enjoyed the most as a fan outside of the Orlando and Boston series because I was so intimately involved with the team, so it was held a special place in my heart. Would be the year that we beat the Pistons in Game Seven. Mm. Okay, yeah, and that was in '88. 88. Yeah. So I think that was a that was a big year, and then we got swept the next year. But uh, uh, okay. yeah, but but that that was a big. That, I thought that was a big year. That was a hard fought series. And uh, man, my my. But if you ask me right now, what's your favorite all time Lakers series? I'm going to tell you right now. It's Western Conference Finals, Lakers versus Sacramento Kings. Yeah, oh, of yeah. course. That was hands down the yeah. best series. Yeah, it was awesome. Every was single game was close, yep. and not only close, but like down to the last shot. Yeah, Nailed and I, I that. 
that was my favorite series. Like th- there was there was not a single game in that series that that wasn't like down to the wire. And I think that to me, that was my favorite Lakers series. Even though that didn't mean we won the championship. Even though we ended up winning, who did we play that year? Uh, Indiana or Philly? I forgot. No, that was the. Um, oh, it was that the Nets? That was the Nets. Yeah. But we we beat them like four one. I think. No, that year. we swept yeah. them. Oh, it was a sweep. Oh yeah, it was a sweep. <laughs> yeah, so it was over. Better than me. Even better. So it was over. Yeah. So like I would say. I would say that Sacramento series was like the most fun to watch. Yeah, the most nail biting. Well, that that brings up a good point. And that Portland one with Rasheed Wallace, Portland, yeah, yeah. Scotty yeah, Pippen, the, the that was a good one too. The, so the Kobe to Shaq, alley yeah. um, brought up a good point from here. Uh, the Nets, this year's Lakers, uh, they've the NBA had to go ahead and assemble another super team to you compete know. with you know old LeBron and AD this year. Uh, what do you think of the Nets this year and, and would, what like they had to, to do? I would like to start this before I answer that, James Harden, I love you. And okay. uh, so I love Kevin Durant, both of my clients. <laughs> Excellent. Jeff, <laughs> Jeff, Green, Jeff Green on that team, also my client. Kyrie bought something from me as a, as a rookie but haven't, haven't dealt with him since. But now my basketball fan is going to come out. Right. I don't see it working. And I'll tell you why. You have too many ball-dominant guys on the team. I just don't see it working. How's it going to work? Yeah. How like like I give you I give it up though. James Harden is passing the ball. Is taking he took like nine shots the other day. Like <laughs> when have you ever seen James Harden not take more than twenty five right? shots? But who is who is going to be the guy you give the ball to in the fourth quarter? I think it should be KD personally. Yeah. Right. But and, and then the next question is on the heels of them giving up 40, 145 fucking points the other day. Right. Who is going to defend the ball? Right. Who's going to defend? You got you, KD has the ability to defend, but when you're scoring 30 points a game, it takes a lot out of you. Mm-hmm. Who's going to defend? James <laughs> and Kyrie are not going to defend. Nope. Who's going to defend? <laughs> so that 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 like I'm also the same guy that said LeBron and, and, and Dwayne Wade wouldn't work. So let's take it with a grain of salt. <laughs> but uh, and I was wrong on that. But I just don't I don't see it working. I, don't see I it mean, working. and look, I agree with you. I, I hate the super team. I hate the the players getting together and becoming the GMs. But I will say, LeBron, a compliment to LeBron. Here you go. Whoa. That when LeBron puts together a, a, wow. a big wow. three, he doesn't put together uh, players that are in the same position. You know, when he got Bosch, you know, Bosch could play a center. Wade could play guard. And and so they're not, they have the role, you know, LeBron sacked this role, the way you play that role, and uh, Bosch replay yours. With – like you said, with with Harden and Kyrie, they're gonna be fighting over the ball. So, so who, they don't play the role. So who, who's taking the last shot in that game? Um, who who do I want to take the last shot? Like, well, I'm not a Nets fan, but I would give it to KD. I would, I would KD. too, hundred yeah, I mean, percent. I give it to KD give it too. To KD. Now, getting to the Nets, when uh, historically as NBA fans, we've seen that when you put a big three together. One of them takes a back seat. In Miami, Chris Bosh took a huge Bosch, back yep. seat, and that's really the only way that a big three works. I don't see. I don't see any, any of, them, of take, them taking a back. I don't seat. see any of them taking a back seat. But if the what, how many games have they played together now? Three or They're four. Just getting yeah. started. It, James is taking the back seat so far, and and, and in in interviews, he's saying like I'm taking a point guard role. Like he's taking mm-hmm. he, his assists have gone up considerably. He has so far offensively taken the back seat. Will that continue? I don't know. I mean, Kyrie's taking just as many shots as he did before. Yeah, he's yeah. not going to change. Yeah. He's not going to change. He's set in his ways. I mean, you know, look, and as a Houston fan, I'm pissed off at him because – I don't blame you. Well, because – well, I'm sorry. I'm not a Houston fan, but if, if you're I a was a Houston fan, I'll be upset yeah, because right. 
I always said that <laughs> you have to change this game. Like a one-on-one basketball doesn't work until the last few minutes when it's needed. You have to play team basketball. And it seems like Hart now is willing to play team basketball when he wasn't able to do it. So, so was, yeah, you, you think that if he played that same way and distributed the ball a lot more in Houston, there was a possibility. But absolutely. you also, you know, in Harden's defense, you got to look at what you have, the tools that you have on the team, too, like to pass the ball, too, right? Like John Wall, I love John Wall, but, you know, John Wall is not the same type of player as, as Kevin Durant. Um, so, I mean, that's a tough call. That's a tough call. Yeah. I mean, but he look, he had Chris Paul. He, he had Dwight. And I think it was good for both he, he teams, had, honestly, had, because I think they needed well. to move yeah. on. Yeah. And they need yeah. to start fresh. Yeah. And Christian Wood's a stud. Yeah. And, yeah, like, they, they, you know, yeah. they need to start fresh. They got Oladipo. He's on a player – he's on a, his last year of his contract yep. now, so we'll see what happens. Yeah. So yeah. Let's, let's ask you to look at the future a little bit. Uh, what does the finals look like this year? So, I do not think that Miami is going back to the finals. I definitely think it will be the Lakers. I feel mm-hmm. strongly about that. Yep. Uh, I I don't think that. I think that. I think that the Lakers gained the the depth that the Clippers lost. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. Yeah. And so, in the East, I I think Brooklyn. I think I think I think the the power of those three are going to be enough to carry Brooklyn to the to the finals. Yeah. Pass Giannis. Yeah. Pass, and and you know, you know listen, I. You could sit back here and say that maybe uh, Milwaukee has a chance, but you still need somebody to put the ball in their hands with seven seconds left and tell me, go get me a bucket. Right. Drew Holiday, in my opinion, is not that guy. And Giannis doesn't have a go-to move that he could be able to do something no. like that yet. He's no. more of a, I'm going to finish on the break. I'm going to do put-back dunks. He's a tremendous player. He's going to do the Euro step. But I don't see him. Get you, I don't see you giving the, him the ball at the top of the key and trusting his jump shot yet. No. Okay, so I'm gonna put you on the record. You have Lakers Nets in the finals. What's the series? Lakers and Lakers and six. Lakers and six. six. Yeah, that sounds yeah. good. All right. All right. So Lakers and six. You've already discussed not to jinx anything, but you've already put some thought into the the next possible Lakers ring back to back. That would be the ring that would push us over Boston. So I just want to remind you of that. Not that a Lakers fan needs to know that. <laughs> I don't know how that'll be reflected in the ring, but possibly we can reflect. We're just giving you some suggestions. <laughs> We're just you know, giving like, it you know, up just from our novice side of jewelry design. You know? Yeah, you we know, know nothing about that. That'll mean big. something, but uh, <laughs> uh, we're really excited. We're so glad basketball's coming back. Uh, hopefully fans will be in the, the stands soon. Do you, do you still, obviously last year not, but do you still make it out to a lot of games when you have a chance and when the stadiums are open? I mean, I, I'm usually at every single Laker home game. Yeah. If yeah. I'm in town, I'm at every single Laker home game. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm blessed to be able to do that. So I, I love going to the games. And listen, I'm, I'm, I wouldn't consider myself a Clipper fan, but I even go to the Clipper games. I just like yeah. basketball. So basketball. I enjoy basketball. Watch. Good product. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I got you. You go to the Clipper games and watch the other team. Exactly. Right? And I always have players on both teams, so I'm I'm there to see my friends play. I win. win. (laughs) We'd love to extend, if you haven't never made it, uh, us three were were not only Lakers season ticket holders, but we're also South Bay Lakers season ticket holders. So that's how we all all met and started this podcast. So South Bay being the G League affiliate. Yeah, Joey Buss is running. Joey Buss, exactly. Exactly. So um, definitely, if you haven't taken in the game, we recommend it's awesome. It's at the practice facility. They're so fun. What a great practice facility, huh? Yep. Yeah. Yep. I got a chance to take a tour of that when they first built it. Oh, yeah. It's beautiful. I even take my kids over there 
uh, to play ball. They, they let my kids go there and play awesome. ball and stuff. Oh, my God, amazing. Nice. It, it brings up the youth of the Lakers. Alex Caruso playing great. And now we've got our boy Taylor Horton Tucker, both former G-leaguers uh, from South Bay. Taylor is playing Talon's amazing. Playing well. He's got this old man game, but somehow translates really well. Yeah. Um, he hasn't been getting a lot of playing time as of late, but, I mean, the team is so deep. Like, you know, you got to pick Wes Matthews or exactly. Talon, or you got to pick Alex or Talon. Yeah. Um, and Talon has proven in the preseason that he's capable of being a point guard, too. Like, to bring, I mean, he brought the ball up, and, you know, people were really talking about that. He did a great job mm-hmm. attacking the press. He did a good job. Like, he, he, he's a stud, and he's going to be good, and the players believe in him. And that's right. a big thing, like, getting the, the confidence of the players is, is such a monumental thing mm-hmm. that people don't understand is that when the players trust you, then, the player, then, then it makes all the difference. And I think the players trust him. Listen, he, he is a, he's a byproduct of clutch sports. And uh, Rich Paul uh, yeah. and and LeBron and when the when those guys trust you, you got a good thing coming. So I mean, I, I'm curious to see what if we can afford to keep him. Right. I'm curious to see um, when he's going to when he's going to be able to have the opportunity to play. Um, but you know, sky's the limit. And like you said, you know, you got Alex Caruso coming from from that team yeah. from South yeah. Bay. So it's their player development is outstanding. Yeah. Outsta- and l- let's not forget their drafting. Like oh, people, they're drafting. They're people scouting. don't talk about that, and I want I want to take the time now to give a, a give a huge shout out to Jesse Buss Absolutely. because Jesse Buss does not get the recognition he deserves, and I'll tell you why. Everyone looks at him as the son of Doctor Buss. Oh, the son of Doctor Buss. He got the job because his last name is Buss. He's undeserving of the position. Well, let me tell you, I'm around basketball people day in and day out. I'm around GMs. I'm around owners. I'm around scouts. I'm around players. Not a single one holds a candle to the knowledge that Jesse Buss has. This guy will literally tell you mm. like what the players, what the players' percentages on the third shot of every road game. Yeah. Like he knows the crazy <laughs> fucking stats that no, none yeah. of us would know. He knows that, and let's also keep in mind he's the head of scouting. This is the guy responsible to to put together or a big part of putting together. All the assets that allowed us to trade for Anthony Absolutely. Davis, right? exactly. Exactly. like Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball. What, let's not talk about Josh Hart's. Mm-hmm. And he went, he dug deep and got Kyle Kuzma. And even the guys he got that we still don't have turned out to be great players. Look at yep. Zubach. Right. Yep. Look at oh my God, uh, Thomas, Bri- Bryant. Thomas Bryant. Yep, yep. the guys Thomas averaging Bryant. like fourteen and nine yeah. this yeah. year. Yeah. yeah, like you know. So you look at that and you look at the the success rate of the drafting. It's been tremendous, and that that drafting has allowed us to be in position for Rob to make an amazing trade in getting Anthony Davis, which allowed us to win a championship. Uh, but you know, you don't do that without great drafting. Yeah. Well, you know what? One thing I like about um, Jesse Buss and uh, going to piggyback what you're saying is the fact that when we have those um, those assets, those those draft picks at the end of the draft you don't feel like we're not going to find a diamond in a rough. We're, like, we're not going to find a gem. We will find that person. Like you said before, we had we traded Mo Wagner uh, with, you know, Tommy Bryant. To Jordan Clarkson's Jordan in there. Clarkson was in there. Clarkson, another guy. Larry Nance, you know, another Larry guy. Larry Nance. Nance. So you just start all seeing guys all league. functional yeah. NBA players. 25th, you know, the 20th, you know that, that wheelhouse around the 26th, 27th pick is when we, you know, cash in. And and I have every confidence in Jesse to go ahead and scout the right player. And when that time comes and we're the 30th pick in the draft, no doubt think that we're going to get somebody as quality like THT 
or you know, a group, yeah, they're so. outstanding. Yeah, no, it's it's honestly it's it's outstanding, and it's like even with THD, you know, a lot some people from the outside looking in must have been saying to themselves, oh, it's because you know it's Clutch Sports and it's Rich Paul. It wasn't like mm-hmm. they, they they were on this guy Jesse and his team, and he's got a great group of scouts. Moses, all these guys have all been on there, and and they've done such a tremendous job, and they were looking at him. They were looking at Kyle Kuzma. I remember Jesse calling me <laughs> up about watch this kid, watch this kid, watch this kid. When I hear watch this kid from Jesse, you watch. he's going to be special. Mm. And I'm not saying this because he's my friend. I'm saying it because the scoreboard says so. Yeah. I hear that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's what's so exciting about being a South Bay Lakers season ticket holder because, you know, when people talk about, you know, Caruso, the ball mama and all that, we're like, dude, he's been – We've been watching this guy for three years, yeah, you know, and it's just so much fun to go and watch it. When Gary Payton was on the South Bay Lakers, we was like, man, I hope they don't call him up because we just love watching him. And that's one disadvantage of being a, you know, a South Bay Lakers fan. They they pick our best players, our players out of there and go other places. But. I'd love to see Alex Cruz be a little bit more more aggressive on offensive end. Yeah. I feel like he has the ability to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Hold back he a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I, think, I feel mm-hmm. like he. But, you know, he'll, I think he'll find that role. He'll fit. He'll fit into that right now. He's being that playmaker. Well, yeah. and it, and defense. You know, and he's, defense, he's you playing know. defense. I agree. And, and I, agree. That's, I agree. And that's his focus. So well, you know, not to mention that he's like what he's top three in, in uh, three point field. Oh yes, he was in the gym. <laughs> I mean, you got to give a shout out to Joey Bus for helping ensemble uh, put together a great a great South Bay team as well. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, like, absolutely. You know, absolutely. And coaching definitely. staff. Great because yeah, their player staff. development yeah, we're, we're is, very, is excellent. We're very blessed, and it's so it's so funny to see how you know how your 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 the the media and the public were looking at like the old the old the old executive branch of the Lakers. Be like, oh, that when it was Jim Buss and talking about, oh, the Lakers are uh, are, are a terrible franchise, and they're turning Stay into away. the Knicks of the West. I remember an agent telling me once, they're the Knicks of the West. They're the Knicks of the West now. Who, who's saying that? Yeah, like, nobody. Like, it, we didn't change that much. The, no. the scouting team, a lot of it's the same guys. Mm-hmm. We didn't change that much. It's just, you know, winning cures it all. Yep. Right, right. Absolutely. Jason, tell us a little bit what's in the future for Jason of Beverly Hills. Well, um, the great thing about the future is I have no clue what the hell is going to happen. <laughs> but one thing I do know is that I'm going to enjoy what I'm doing. I'm going to keep pushing. I'm, we're looking to expand our footprint um, you know, opening more stores, uh, you know, designing new collections, meeting new people. And as long as I, every single day I wake up and I grew a little bit more than the day before, I'm a happy person. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. On behalf of the Profanity Nation podcast, all our listeners, all of our followers, we re- really appreciate you inviting us here and allowing us to speak with you and sharing all your Lakers stories. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank I had fun you. because I, did, I get to talk about something I'm super passionate about. Yeah, exactly. yeah <laughs> That's great. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. Have a great one. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Profanity Nation. Yeah, it's the new era of man for some old school fans with a new school brand. We got money on the mic with the plan in hand. And stat pat to his left, they go hand in hand. And to the right, we got Simpster. He putting it down. It's the Profanity Nation. We running the town. Yeah. It's the Profanity Nation. Profanity Nation. Hey, guys. You got to check out the Pure Life Alternative Wellness Center. It's a family-owned and operated pre-ICO, Prop D compliant, and recreational collective serving Chatsworth, the San Fernando Valley, and the surrounding Los Angeles areas. 
They offer discounts for all our veterans and seniors 55 plus, as well as first-time patient and referral discounts. You can order online at purelifesfv.org. That's purelifesfv.org. So you think your sneakers look good, huh? Check this out. <laughs> Even the most exclusive sneakers once purchased look identical to everybody else's sneakers. Can I get a holla holla? So how do you take your boring regular sneakers and convert them to unique dynamic sneakers that will stand out? Yo, that answer is easy. You need to get, get, get laced with Get Laced Shoelaces. Yes, Visit GetLacedLaces.com or check us out on Instagram at GetLaced.com underscore.